You're listening to an interview with Reed Pop's event and sales director, Michael Armstrong. It's turning into quite the interview week here on An Englishman in San Diego, as well as speaking to CCI's David Glanzer live on our Google Plus Hangout later on in the week. We're also incredibly lucky and fortunate to get the chance to talk to his opposite number for Reed Pop, Mike Armstrong. In the interview, moderated by my good self, Lennon Sultana, and joined by guests Alyssa Franks and Michael Leventhal from the Friends of CCI Forum, we talked to Mike about the explosion of Kong culture on an international level, which Repop have been instrumental in contributing to, the many different events that Repop organize, and of course, the events that Mike is directly involved with. He is the event and sales director for Repop, focusing on New York Comic Con, C2E2, and Star Wars Celebration. Those aren't tiny little conventions. They are globe-straddling media monsters that attract audiences, both physical and virtual, from across the globe. A hefty responsibility. We were also able to put your questions to Mike as well. So over the hour, we hopefully covered a lot of ground. Enjoy. And welcome to Talking Comic-Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, a special one-shot edition of The Hangouts. Uh, this is a special conversation that we're throwing into the uh, the mix uh, outside of the regular weekly hangout that we do on a Sunday to talk to someone uh, who we've been looking forward to speaking to for quite some time, and we're really lucky to have the opportunity to talk to him. Um, we've got a couple of guests who are going to uh, help me along with the conversation. First and foremost, we've got Alyssa Franks from the Friends of CCI.com forum. Hello, Alyssa. Hello, Leonard. Hi, Mike. <laughs> <And> Mike. <laughs> Not to be confusing. This it could be. It could be. A, it could be a juggling match. This. Um, but then we also have Michael Leventhal. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? Hi, Leonard. Um, I'm back with my beer. <laughs> I have my beer again. Oh, he's uh, now, the thing was, we did have someone turn around and say um, what beer was it was, and you turned around, it was Stella. Is it Stella this time? This time, it's Yingling, and it's in my Defend Beer glass also. So, <laughs> Yingling is being defended today. Well, it's good, because I mean, this is where we can have that um, meeting of minds, because this is where we can turn around and say, welcome along to Mike Armstrong from Repop. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. If you go to Repop's um, website and you actually have a look at the team bios, it actually turns around and mentions your love of IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, do you have a pint to hand or are you in the office? Are you, in, are you in working mode at this point? I'm in the office. It's getting late, so we're winding down. There's a fridge on the other side of the wall that I might go raid a little bit uh, later on, but for now... Uh, it's just it's just ice water right now. Fair enough. I, well, I've got my cup of tea to hand, so I'm I'm I think we've all kind of got a drink to hand, so that's great. Well, this is a conversation with yourself. Um, just in case people don't know who you are, because it says on the uh, on the bio on the website, event director of Repop. Now, what does event director kind of consist of? What's what's that entail? Uh, it's a very good question, and I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Um, so I'm uh, kind of evolving out of a sales role. So for the past three or four years, uh, my team and I have been in charge of the uh, exhibit and sponsorship sales for 
the entire portfolio of Read Pop events. So that includes all the Comic Cons, uh, it includes the Star Wars Celebration event, it includes the the PAX events. Um, my role is shifting a little bit, so now I'm able to focus a little bit more on just the comic portfolio, which is what I really love, and I'm excited to dig deeper into that. So I kind of oversee the team um, in terms of making sure that special projects are getting taken care of, uh, working with the department heads and all the different groups making sure that everyone's communicating um, and making sure that you know, all of the different projects are, are getting pushed forward. So what are the typical kind of problems that cross your desk in the in the role of event director? <laughs> oh, there's a wide variety. Uh, it's anything from, uh, from venue issues, operational issues, things like that. Uh, issues with specific exhibitors, um, and, um, you know, I do get a, a good number of fan-related issues coming across my desk, too. So uh, it, it's really a, a pretty broad spectrum of things that uh, that I have a, a hand in. So were you part of the decision to move from the Javits last year to Pure 94 this year? Yeah, for special edition, yeah, it was kind of a team decision, and the, and the thought behind that was, uh, Alyssa, I'm not sure if you attended special edition last year, did you? I didn't, but I am going to this year. Very good. Um, last year we had an issue with Javits because our show floor was in Javits North, which is a beautiful new uh, addition to Javits. So if you've been to New York Comic Con, that's the area where Artist Alley is, and it's a fantastic area. It's beautiful. Um, the problem with Special Edition was that the main show floor was in that building, but then the programming was all the way across the Javits Center in Hall E. So it was about a 10-minute walk for somebody to get from the convention center uh, from Javits North, rather, over to, to Hall E. So the piers gives us an opportunity to have everything on, on one floor. There's enough space there where we can have an artist alley of about 350 artists, about 100 exhibitors, and then two big panel rooms, which is exciting. Um, the other thing that happened with Special Edition last year is that we were on top of two other really good local shows um, and, and Father's Day. So we made the decision as a team that the dates were more important than the venue. So, I mean, we can make any venue work, it might not be as uh, attractive as Javits North is, um, but the date pattern worked out better for us and for some of our exhibitors and, and uh, talent that's coming to the show. From my perspective, because I, I did attend last year, I was there, um, and I remember walking all the way across the hall. I, I, I luckily had, um, Marvel was giving out those little bouncy original sin balls, so I, mm-hmm. I, I had that to occupy my time as I was uh, crossing the entire uh, floor. But I actually, I have to say, for one thing, the, the Javits North area is great for Artist Alley in general, because um, it's just such a, like, it's its own area, so even during the regular, you know, during New York Comic Con and even special, it just felt, you know, more intimate, it was just a more enclosed area, for me anyway. It's the best spot at New York Comic Con. I mean, when we made the decision... I guess it was three years ago now, to take Artist Alley off of the main show floor and move it into its own area. That was met with a lot of resistance from the artist community because they didn't think that they were going to get foot traffic. Um, it took one year. I mean, the, the the response that we got after that show from people who were emailing me and sending me nasty notes saying that no one's going to come visit them, I was getting – people were finding me on site, and I was getting emails after the show saying how much they appreciated just being in their own contained space because it's not as intense as the main show floor of New York Comic Con. Um, it, it provides an opportunity for people to have you know really meaningful one-on-one conversations with creators and then vice versa, creators with fans. So I think that decision was a tough one to make, um, but at the end of the day, it really paid off for us. I agree. Yeah, I have to second it. Last year at New York Comic Con, it was it was wonderful. I, I spent probably 
Saturday and Sunday, just in Artist Alley, getting SIGs from everybody, because I'm the, more of a comic person myself. But, um... Uh, well, I've, I've got a question, because... Um, Thank you. It, um, special Edition being um, its inaugural year, last year, um, did you feel that you, with Repop, with its experience of putting uh, events like this together, do you feel that um, starting an event like Special Edition, you automatically have that advantage to put on um, a really good show, that you have that kind of experience um, as a, an event uh, team? It's a good question. I mean, I think that we've always been scared to do small shows because, um, you know, Reed Pop is a, a group that specializes in putting on big events, you know, uh, 151,000 for New York, 100, uh, excuse me, 71,000 last year for C2E2. Like, we are more confident in ourselves to put on a really massive event. And I think we're a little scared of doing the smaller events. So special edition, we, we kind of, um, we got we got out of our comfort zone a little bit, um, but it's really fulfilling to to have been on site last year and to see the really positive reactions from fans who were there and from creators and exhibitors. Um, you know, we we went out on a limb on this one. I don't think people were were clamoring so much for another event. Um, there's so many conventions and there's so many there's a convention in every city every weekend. Um, so we wanted to make sure that if we were going to do a small event, that it was going to be the best possible event that we could do, and we're really, really happy with what happened last year. And I think the results from last year are already helping out this year. We've already sold more tickets for the 15 event than we sold for the entirety of the 14 event. Um, so we're really excited to see the fans having responded so positively to what we did last year. It's okay. interesting because it is so uh, – all of your other events are very entertainment-focused, whereas this one is really just drives right into the comics and the the, this, the culture that started all of the entertainment um, uh, people coming in. So, and I was wondering what what the decision making process was to take that leap into doing a pure comic focused uh, convention and and follow that on with and you said that the tickets have uh, so the ticket sales this year have supported that, which is is great to hear. Um, so. Yeah, I think. You know, we do really extensive post-show surveys for all of our shows, and one thing that we saw trending for New York Comic Con over three or four years was that the people who had been with the show since year one, when it was solely focused on comics, started to feel like they were being left behind a little bit. Um, you know, there's so much noise in New York Comic Con. There's so many different entities just clamoring for your attention, and I feel like the source material, uh, you know, was getting was getting pushed to the side a little bit, um, and. You know, that's fine. New York Comic Con is a fantastic event, and it means so many things to so many different people. And um, there's a lot of people who are coming now for the TV and movie and for the anime and for that sort of stuff. Um, but I think we really wanted to get back to the source material and get back to what made New York Comic Con so great when we launched it oh, 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having the opportunity to just go back to an old-school comic comic show is it was really exciting to us just people across the table talking and um the fan reaction has been really good even the clamor for artist alley tables was was really nice to see this year because the artists who were there last year i think they really value the opportunity to actually have one-on-one -on -one conversations with fans because so often it's just if you were an artist alley near comic-con the horde is just moving and, and people are just going with the flow and no one's stopping um 
with special edition, you're able to stop and a creator is able to pitch you on the new series that they're working on. It's really important for small press to be able to explain a series before somebody buys it rather than, you know, in New York Comic Con, sometimes it feels like people are, are just kind of browsing a table and keep moving with the horde. Um, so I was, was going to ask how the talent how the talent was was taking to the to the con were you getting a lot of people were, who are coming back to a lot of talent coming who want to come back to the the con and and it seems like you've answered yes they they yeah, love yeah a lot of people who bought tables last year are coming back because you know they might have a new issue out this time and the the conversations that they were able to have with people really latched people on to reading their series which is so important for a small press or for an indie artist at these shows, I mean, you can't, it's hard to hand sell when you're at a big event like New York Comic Con because people are just so focused on, on either getting to, getting into the lines for the bigger signings or to, uh, stand in line for a, a Funko or a, a, a Hasbro exclusive. You know, having, having the opportunity to just have a, a meaningful conversation is what Special Edition is all about. Careful with the, the Hasbro exclusives. <laughs> yeah, I saw that question, I know. <laughs> I have a slight follow-up question to that, too, since, um, you know, you actually kind of mentioned, you know, that it is, a, you know, a smaller show, and, you know, you get the obvious feeling that it's, you know, kind of has that house show, old house show comic feel, and it's, you know, it, it's very intimate, more so than New York Comic Con, but at the same time, as the show gets, you know, more popular, you know, you want popular, but then at the same time, how do you combat, you know, a show that starts getting very, very popular and, you know, you have, it gets bigger and bigger while also keeping that smaller, you know, feeling to it? Yeah, it's a good question, Mike. Um, one thing that we've done with Special Edition is we've, we've picked the people that we want to be at the show and we go after them. We don't let anybody come in and exhibit. So if you are a, a t-shirt vendor that we have from New York Comic Con, we tell you, no, you can't do special edition. Special edition is for gold and silver age dealers. It's for new comics dealers. It's for small press. It's for artists. It's not for everyone. You know, there's not going to be a massive style and online booth. And I love style and online because they, you know, they serve a certain need that exists at all the shows that you guys go to. Um, but it's not a fit for special edition. So we really want to keep this as an intimate event. If we can bring more fans in there, that's great. If we can bring in more artists, that's great. But it's never going to lose the feel of, of a big, of, of a small event, I should say. Because we don't have any booths that are bigger than a 20 by 20, and the biggest booth is is the Midtown booth. Um, you know, we're not looking to expand and get you know big 50 by 50s like we are at uh, New York Comic Con. We're really trying to keep this as an intimate event. One thing you mentioned earlier was the um, Reed Pop um, doing well with the explosion of pop culture and comic conventions on an international scale, and I kind of was wondering what you felt um, the what differentiates Repop from other conventions? What what do you feel Repop uh, gives as a kind of like a what's that magic ingredient that Repop brings? It's the people. I think if you look at um, if you look at the international expansion, um, Reed Pop, as most people know, is a small group within a massive trade show company. Um, so the benefit to us when we want to expand internationally is that Reed Exhibitions has offices in all these different countries. So we did a sh we did our uh, launch in Shanghai a couple weeks ago. We have an office in Shanghai, and now we have a Repop team in Shanghai. We have a Repop team in Australia. We have a Repop team in India. I, I don't think that um, we learned from some mistakes. Um, when I first started with the team back in 2010, we were close to uh, acquiring the Singapore Toy Gaming and Comic Convention, um, which is a fantastic event now. When we took it over... Um, 
you know, we didn't necessarily have a lot of people on ground in Singapore, so we were trying to run a lot of it domestically, and that didn't work because we don't know what the market's like as much as uh, as much as somebody who's in Singapore knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know having all of these different people around the world and continuing to build teams around the world is really what gives us an insight into the market. Um, and you know there'll be more international things that are announced uh, in the next few months. But um, seeing what we've been able to do in in Shanghai, in India, in Australia, and um, uh, you know with Star Wars in Germany, we're going back to London uh, with Star Wars. Um, Seeing the success of those shows and how well run they are organizationally, that's a testament to the people that we brought in um, from Reed Exhibitions to run Reed Pop events. Do you think that's um, a benefit of being a, a commercial enterprise, other than some uh, conventions which are non-profit, where you have the ability and the uh, financial muscle to develop these cons, um, like you say, on an international scale? Yeah, I think I think it is. Um, I, I think that. Um, we look at things through a different lens than some some fan conventions would, um, and we're always trying to balance um, good experience with the business of it. Um, and I think being able to uh, have teams on the ground, they're better they're better able to analyze expenses that are happening in their country than we would domestically. So um, they can speak better to the content that that audience is craving. Like in Singapore, we went in with a bunch of Western comics creators, and that was well received. But they, the people on that show, were more interested in vinyl toys, um, and that's not something I think we would have gleaned uh, if we were running the show domestically. It's something that has certainly evolved with the team in Singapore evolving as well as it has, and that show is is very successful right now and, and continuing to uh, launch additional events in the area. Um, but I think just the scope of read exhibitions is great. What is really good about our group is that, you know, we're a small group that does what we do really, really well. So we're able to indoctrinate people in read exhibitions offices around the world to the read pop way of thinking. And that's proven to be very successful. Well, yeah. you say you do what you do very, very well. You know, so you say. So, <laughs> Let's get to the questions. <laughs> no, I mean, what I mean is, um, yeah. <laughs> a bit bragging there, but it's absolutely well-deserved, and the success of Repop events certainly shows that. Do we have any questions from um, Alyssa and Mike? Because I know we've got a number that have come through from the Friends of CCI Forum, and I know that we've got a couple from uh, various other um, sources as well. Uh, Alyssa? Um, I, just following up on what you said, so with um, Emerald City Comic Con, can we kind of expect them to maintain their own uh, uh, flavor? that they've developed so well over the past few years. I know there's a couple of forum members who, who love Emerald City Comic Con and um, uh, don't are really kind of worried that Reed Pop will come in and make it into the next New York Comic Con. <laughs> no, we're very cognizant of that. So the, uh, the people that we brought in from the Emerald City team are some of the best people that I've ever dealt with. Um, and, you know, I was a fan of Emerald City Comic Con. I had been going for three years before that there was any relationship between us. So I love that show, too, and I love being able to go there, and I love Seattle, and it's such a well-run show. We're, we're not going to push Repop on Emerald City too much. I mean, there's certain things that we do better than they might do, so we're going to certainly add some operational efficiencies to that. But in terms of content, in terms of feel a show, what I want is I want that at our other events. I don't want to take 
I don't want to change Emerald City. I want Emerald City's people and the, and the people that we brought in from the Emerald City team to make C2E2 better and to make Special Edition better and to make New York Comic Con better. And they've already started to do that, so it's really exciting. It, they're on track to be one of the – and I hesitate to say this because, you know, if you say it, it will come true. But they're on track to being one of the cons that's going to have problems with ticket sales, mm-hmm. the dreaded topic of ticket sales. <laughs> And um, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you wanted to to say anything about uh, about the New York uh, ticket sale issue that that just occurred. I mean, we weren't happy with it by any means. I mean, we're happy with the fact that there's so much demand for the tickets. I mean, that I think speaks to the quality of the event. Um, if you look at the statement that Lance put out in the days after the uh, the on sale, um, the fact is that. When 12 o'clock hit, there were more people in the queue than would we have inventory of four-day VIP, three-day, and Saturday tickets. So it's a supply and demand issue. Yes, there were executional issues that happened um, just with the Internet. Um, but I, I'm really happy with the, the the demand issue. We sold over 100,000 tickets in, in three hours, and mm-hmm. that's not an easy thing to do no matter what kind of back-end systems that you have. Um, it's really disappointing to have seen all those issues come up um, and to be getting still a flurry of emails of people who are dissatisfied with their experience. Um, so that's really disappointing, and we're continuing to try to make that better. Um, yeah, it was it was not the most pleasant day here. Um, but, you know, I, I think we, we, we tend to be really hard on ourselves because we get, you know, people tell us what they're unhappy about, and I love that. Um, but we get really disappointed in ourselves when we get emails like that. Um, I, I think what we need to do is oftentimes we forget to put it into perspective of the happy people who are happy and don't send an email. Um, it was disappointing. Um, it was a frustrating day. You were I, in the office that day then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was my desk for a part of it, but I was here. I mean, I, I, I'll say, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot of the complaints. You know, we see it on some of the forums. We see it on, you know, Facebook. But And you kind of address this, too. The, the simple fact is, at this point, demand is just dripping supply. So, you know, a lot of people do seem to like to blame, you know, scalpers or, you know, X or Y or Z. But at the end of the day, you only have a hundred, you know, you only have X number of tickets, but you have Y number of people trying to get in. And, right. you know, I mean, especially for, so I, I've only been doing, I've been doing New York Comic Con longer than San Diego, but for San Diego, you know, it's, it sells out and people just have to, you know, accept the fact that they just, you know, they can't go this year just because, you know, that's the way, you know, the ticket sold out and I just couldn't get in. Yeah. You know? I think the thing that people have the hardest time coming to grips with, um, is that it happened so quickly. I mean, not so quickly in the on-sale process, but it happened so quickly in the years that um, it took New York Comic Con to get to the level that it's at right now. So people who have been coming to the show for five or six years who were able to get a ticket a couple weeks before the show or, you know, four years ago we were selling tickets on site. Um, But to see how quickly that changes, I think it's difficult for people to recognize that it is a supply and demand issue. Um, and that it's it's not as easy to get a ticket. I wish that everybody who was coming to New York Comic Con could get a ticket. I really, really do wish that, but it's a supply and demand issue, unfortunately. Um, I've got a question from MZX380 on the forum. Um, is 
New York Comic Con uh, thinking of registering tickets to each individual like at San Diego? So putting the names on the tickets, or not on the tickets, but it's, it's, it's the translation between badges and uh, tickets, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's something I think we're going to explore in the future. I think that um, we like it and the fans like the badges because it's so easy. You don't have to get to the show and, and stand in that queue to pick up your badges. You get your badge in the mail, you show up, and you're in. Um, and I, I like some of the, the, I like some back-end benefits that, um, having to register your badge would give us because it would, it would eliminate scalping altogether. Um, but at the same time, I think it would, it would really add a, another difficult step in the process of being at New York Comic Con. Um, the Javits is already a difficult building to be in. It's not like there's a ton of space where we could do registration for, you know, 151,000 people who come through the door. So, Short answer is we're exploring everything. We want to continue to make the ticketing process better. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at every possible opportunity. Speaking of scalping, what's the latest on that? How Have you guys uh, finished looking at all of the tickets, sales that went through? And have you identified all of the scalpers, you think? And We haven't identified all of them, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, we continue to monitor it. Um, you know, I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want to give away anything. Um, but yeah, it's something that we're continuing to monitor and per the terms, you know, we're, we, we don't like scalpers. We want people who want to come to the show to be able to buy it at face value. Um, so it's something we're continuing to monitoring. Yeah. To monitor. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. Um, no, nothing more about the ticket sales. I mean, I had a few more, you know, one or two questions about New Year Comic Con, but I also wanted to go back to special edition. Um, I had a few more questions for that, one or two more for that anyway, if you're willing to go back for a few minutes. I'll go back happily. <laughs> so, well, so you kind of touched on it before, but you mentioned that, you know, a lot of last year's artists, you know, came back and said, all right, I want to go come back this year. And I do also notice that some of the artists are the same artists that actually are at New York Comic Con are somewhat the same as Special Edition. So my question is, do you kind of want the same artists? Are you targeting different artists? Are you targeting more local artists? You know, what's, I mean, so at least to make a distinction between the two shows. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the original goal of Special Edition was to bring in people who don't do shows. And I think that was really difficult because people who don't do shows don't do shows. So, um I think we're really, really happy with, with Bendis this year. I mean, that is, we've been chasing Bendis for years and years, and to finally get him in one of our shows is, is something we're very excited about. Um, you know, we want to bring in, um, uh, here's a great example of, with the collaboration with the Emerald City team. Um, you know, the, the folks at Emerald City have fantastic relationships with Topatico and with Periscope Studios, and those aren't people that we had last year at uh, Special Edition, and frankly, we haven't had a repop show in a while. So they were able to leverage their relationship to bringing in, I think, seven guests from Topatico and I think nine guests from Periscope. So we're continuing to keep things fresh, and I think the special edition was always viewed as more of an indie show. Um, so we're continuing to invest in, you know, talent from Image and Dark Horse and Boom and IDW, um, but still having a really solid presence of Golden and Silver Age people and as well as modern Marvel and DC writers and, and artists. Cool. I've got a question from Bukharand on the forum, and I probably mispronounced his name. 
He says, I was just looking at the SCNYC map, and there seems to be an autograph area. Does this mean that the majority of writers will be signing there while artists will be at their own tables? Uh, we can just basically call that autographing line the Brian Michael Bendis autographing line. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's um, you know, he, he's, he's going to create a, a lot of buzz, and he's going to have a pretty massive line. He's doing a lot of signing for us. He wants to get everybody who wants to see him. Um, so I think on Saturday he's doing three different signing times, and on Sunday I think he's doing three as well, as well as a panel each day. Oh, wow. um, so that is there to uh, to manage the uh, fervor for Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> most of the question, sorry, most of the writers most of the writers are in artist alley tables as well, so they're going to be very accessible throughout the course of the weekend. Um, any other? Ask another forum question before I go back to before I hide the question. <laughs> okay, well, let's see. Um. Well, I've, I've got one. Uh, this is from uh, Debstar. Um, in terms of um, the development of uh, Repop and what they, f- what you're doing as an organisation to make the best events that you can, um, what do you feel um, that if there are any areas for potential improvement uh, of the of your events? This is from Debstar on the forum. Do you feel, and certainly on the flip side of that, what do you feel Repop are doing especially well? Well, I think what we do really well is we, I think we listen well. I mean, we're all very visible. Everyone on the team, you can email and you can call and we pick up. You know, um, we're, we're always monitoring what's happening on social. We're always listening to what the fans have to say. And we really pride ourselves in trying to deliver an event that is really focused on the fans. I think what we can do better is continue to improve the content. And I think there's questions on the forum that are going to get to, you know, some exhibitors who have done New York Comic Con who might have dropped out, um, some talent that do other events that don't do our shows. Um, I think we can do a bit of a better job in kind of curating that content that comes to the show. Um, there are a lot of shows and there are a lot of um, different events that are um, that are fighting for for involvement from, from big brands. Um and, you know, we've, we've had some hits and we've had some misses. I think, you know, we can look at a couple examples of people who have done the show but have left, but we can also look at last year people who had never done our show before who have come in. Uh, we hadn't had IDW in a long time. Uh, uh, for New York Comic Con in 2015, we've already locked in Funko, which they, we haven't had. Uh, Weta is coming back from uh, from their event last year. So, yeah, there's people that we would love to have that we've had that have gone. Um, but I think we do a really good job of replacing that um, with, with new with new talent. But the people who have gone, we are always trying to get them back, and I think we can do a better job of that. Thank you so much for answering Karate Kid's question about Hasbro. <laughs> we appreciate that. The question that I have every day too. Yeah, that I mean, thankfully Lego was there last year at New York at New York yeah. Con, so we were really happy. And I assume that they're, they'll be back this year. Do you know? I hope so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fingers crossed for Lego. <laughs> big big Lego yeah. fan here, both Mike and I. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the other questions that I've got are New York Con based, so I, I wanted to just did you have any other questions, Leonard? Uh not regarding um uh, special issues. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have one or two special edition questions. Um so 
for me, and I've mentioned this to Brian, so I'm sure he's heard this question before. So, um, well, last year, you know, your slogan for special edition is comics, arts, and culture. So, but for me, I noticed a lot of the comics, but, you know, I don't want to say less arts and culture, but, like, I, I personally like a lot of fantasy art, a little bit more, you know, less maybe mainstream comic art, but that would still, you know, be good for the show, you know, if they had a small place. Or even, you know, I'm sure there's people that would want to see anime or manga, you know, there as well. So is there, you know, plans on utilizing the, you know, the full concept of of your slogan for the show, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, there is, um, and I I can't give you any specifics around the fantasy art because I'm not too familiar with what's coming in under that umbrella. Um, but I'll get back to Periscope and Topatico. We didn't have a lot of web comics last year, and now we do. Um, we're uh, we're trying to bring in elements of the block from New York Comic Con, which is our art and design and our vinyl toy area. Uh, we're trying to bring some elements of that into uh, special edition because. Yeah, there's a pretty broad banner of what we say special edition can be, and it's a matter of us going out and getting that content, but it's also a matter of those exhibitors and, and artists finding value in special edition. And I think as the show continues to mature, we'll get there. Um, I can't, like I said, I can't speak to the fantasy art too much, but there is there is a broadening of, of what we're bringing into special edition this year. You'll always hear fantasy art from my from whenever you send the surveys out from me. It'll always be in there because uh, that's cool. Huh? <laughs> when I go to San Diego, they actually have a little art. Like, you look at the exhibit floor, it says fantasy fantasy section. So I'm like, New York Comic Con needs that, and they need it now. Yeah, <laughs> um, when we go to San Diego, we're always talking to them and trying to get them to come to come east. I think we uh, we can do a better job of that. <laughs> so De- uh, Riot Girl has some question, a question about SC. Um are you thinking that Pure 94 is going to be a permanent home for SENYC? Um, probably not. Um, I think that um, we valued the date pattern more than we did the venue this year. Um, I think as the show continues to mature and continues to grow manageably, um, right. I think the uh, that we'll probably end up back at Javits uh, one day. But, it, you know, we just want to make sure that we're not on top of other local events um, because those, you know, those took a lot of people out of the special edition hall last year, and they were at other at other venues. And I don't think we will ever make the Father's Day mistake again. Um, so we really value being uh, having a good date that doesn't conflict with local or regional shows. Uh, so you know, it could very well end up at the Pierce dates at a different venue. Um, there's always a chance we could move around, yeah. And and special edition is uh, the we're, it's it's our regional event, like. I think that, um, getting back to the point that I made about we don't do small shows very well, special edition and getting that off the ground is our opportunity to take a brand and, and find a different location that might not have a good show or might not have a show at all and move it to Omaha or, or Tulsa or what have you. Um, so special edition can kind of, it, it's not tied to New York City. The, the current iteration is special edition NYC, but it could be special edition San Antonio or special edition El Paso. Like it could be anywhere. Um, so not only will the venue in New York and the dates in New York be up in the air, but it could go anywhere. Wonderful. Wonderful. So can I interest you in New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> special edition Nashua, I think, is the next one I live. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's about it for the um, questions on the forum. I, aside from going into some 
obvious questions that are difficult to answer about New York Con uh, tickets and and who's going to be there and, and the like. Um, so that's all I've got. Okay. Well, I mean, I know that there's been a number of questions on the uh, forum, certainly regarding, uh, certainly something that uh, is interest of me, because it did uh, take place at San Diego this year, and it was a bit of an issue there, and I do know that it was an issue at New York City, uh, New York Comic Con last year. In terms of um, opening up the uh, exhibi exhibition floor, and prior to that, when you have um, people with uh, exhibitor badges, um, kind of making their way to... Um, exhibit, uh, to uh, collectibles and to um, exclusives lines before the doors officially opened. Uh, I think uh, the concern was, um, is there any uh, plans for uh, Repop to kind of either control that or police that in a way to allow fans to uh, get into the lines um, prior to the people that have kind of been able to kind of maneuver themselves into those lines beforehand? Yeah. There are some exhibitors that police it on their own, and they do it really well because they're also very passionate about making sure that the fans are getting the exclusives and not exhibitors. Um, one thing that um, Emerald City does really well, and I'll keep keep pushing on them, uh, Emerald City does a really good job with this, and they have really tight control of their floor plan. They might not have the clamor for exclusives because they don't have a lot of toy guys right now. It's mostly exclusives for variants at Image or IDW or Dark Horse. Um, but I think what we're going to be maintaining more control over our show floor, and that includes before the doors open when exhibitors are circling, you know, the uh, the hopeful, hoping for a Mattel booth or, you know, circling the Funko booth this year. Um, so it's something we're continuing to look at. We've, we've tried some things at, at uh, our Star Wars events, and we've done them relatively well. I think they need tweaking. Um, it's something we're continuing to work on and analyze. Fair enough. Actually, uh, the thing that's um, going to lead me on certainly from my perspective in terms of the success of Star Wars Celebration this year, um, it really was a, a truly incredible event. Um, and not only just for people who went to the, um, uh, to the event, but also on a worldwide scale. The uh, collaboration you did with YouTube and with Star Wars to stream panels and to stream uh, a large amount of Star Wars Celebration was just a masterstroke and a phenomenal success. Um, how important do you see the, that streaming content being part of um, the large events like New York Comic Con? Yeah, it's really important. And I, I did not go to Star Wars this year, but I did watch the stream. Uh, I have a two-month-old at home, so my wife would have killed me if I was gone for Star Wars and then C2E2 the following week. So I was sitting in a parking lot watching the uh, the main panel, the big panel, on my cell phone while my wife was eating a hot dog in the back seat and putting the pacifier in my baby's mouth. Um, we do that. We do that at a lot of our events. I think there was just so much fervor behind the, the Star Wars panel that that is the one that people notice. Um, but we have a fantastic relationship with Twitch TV, and Twitch um, does live streaming from all of our comic events and uh, all of our PAX events, too. Um, but they were on the floor at C2E2, and they're streaming all the content from there. They're always on the floor at New York Comic Con streaming select content. They have a stage on the show floor where they're doing uh, satellite panels, and we're doing interviews with talent. Um, so I think that if you look at the numbers, we've been doing it for two or three years now, you look at the numbers as they continue to increase, it's obvious that the fans want that. And people who might not be able to get a ticket to New York Comic Con or might not be able to travel to C2E2, um, they can still see the content. So that's really important for us and for our partners. The studios and the, the comic publishers and the talent love the opportunity to reach more eyeballs throughout the course of the show. So 
Um, the stream the stream is really really important to us, um, and we have an entire team here that's dedicated to just maintaining those relationships and programming those stages. So, uh, you know, by the amount of people we've thrown at it, you can tell that it's important for us. I think also the, uh, the one of the things that was really popular with uh, Star Wars Celebration this year was that uh, Force Awakens panel, especially when it then came round to the screening, that first um, debut screening of the trailer, and it went out um, live on YouTube. And I think a lot of people who were watching the stream were fully expecting a black border to come up and say, we shall now return to this panel in a short period of time. And then it just um, went out onto YouTube, and I think the success just uh, it speaks for itself. It was just uh, an incredible event. But it also just really ramped up uh, anticip- in anticipation on a worldwide scale, and certainly with uh, coming over to uh, London next year, um, I'm obviously excited about that. We have actually had someone, um, Gary Quigley, who's um, uh, texted in and asked, um, what can we expect from London uh, Star Wars celebration, which perhaps was slightly different to what we saw uh, in Anaheim this year? Well, that's a little too early for that, and I'm not working as closely on the Star Wars events as I used to, um, so I can't give you too much detail on it. I know that the team is already working on um, working on content, working on getting the building squared away. The, uh, the show we did in Germany was a challenge for us because, um, like we have in India, in Australia, in Singapore, we don't have a team in Germany that was working directly on the show, so a lot of it was done domestically for us. Um, we've learned from our mistakes, and we now have a team in London who's helping us execute the Star Wars event. Um, so right off the bat, we're, we're um, in, a, in a better place than we were for Germany a couple of years ago. Um, but in terms of content and in terms of uh, anything that is of interest to people, it's way, way too early to speculate on that. I, can, I, can, I suppose you could just say it is going to be a hell of an event on a worldwide worldwide scale, and um, so yeah, Gary, book your, book your tickets now. Um, I, I think what I was trying to certainly uh, work on is the fact that the, the streaming certainly allows people to experience the events from beyond the actual confines of the event itself. And um, what do you feel uh, in terms of say other events that don't stream? What do you think that they're lacking when it comes to the streaming content because it it does add another dimension to uh, what Repop does. Yeah, I think what scares people about streaming, and I'm not going to speak towards any particular event, but um, it, it's difficult to to wrap your head around making potentially making your, your ticket less valuable because, sure. you know, the benefit of going to a show is that you're getting all that exclusive content for the first time. Um, you're getting to see it before anyone else does. Um, so I think that is what scares people away from the streaming aspect. Um, what we're really excited about and our partners are really excited about is that we're getting more eyeballs. Um, and there's so much going on at shows at New York Comic Con specifically that garner the ticket price that you're paying. Um, so if if somebody's going to see the same panel, you know, it, that that that's what it is. The experience of a convention is being there and and interacting with your fellow fan and 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 meeting new people and that's what people I think are paying for. Um, the content is going to leak out at some point because as soon as the the panel's over, somebody has a story about it. So I think the the real value is being there um, and, and getting to experience and feeling the thrill of seeing it for the first time, but also just being able to spend spend four days at a show with your friends. I mean that that's so valuable, and I miss being able to do that, frankly. <laughs> I think that was um, something that came off the back of the the streams of Star Wars Celebration when um, 
like you say, the experience, and like I say, when we all go to conventions, a lot of us will say it's the experience that we go for, not necessarily uh, what we see, but how we experience it. Exactly. And uh, when we saw the uh, the Star Wars panel, the Force Awakens panel, we saw the sheer joy that was coming out of the audience heading towards the stage. I think a lot of people then just go, well, that's where I want to be. I mean, yeah. I can watch this on my screen, and that's fine, but that's where I want to be. And I think that's what... Uh, uh, you're right. It kind of like leads onto that. So I watched it on my screen and I felt like I was missing out. You know, I really wanted to be there with the rest of the team who worked so hard to put the event on. Um, but you know, I get a really this is going to sound corny, but I just love being at shows and witnessing fans having a good time. Like that just makes me feel really good about what we do. Um, so not being able to get that kind of gratification at Star Wars felt didn't feel great. I wish I was there. Um, C2E2, I just love you know. Being at the entrance of the, of the show at 11 o'clock on Saturday when people just keep pouring in, um, it, it's just great to to watch people just be in awe of something that you help put on, and you know I, I think that's one of the benefits of being at a show. Fantastic. Any further questions, Alyssa and Michael? Yeah, well, to bounce off on you know the content question, and I'll kind of relate it somewhat to New York Comic Con because that's the main show that I've gone to where I do a lot of my panels. I know last year you had the wristbands for the first year, which, don't get me wrong, a lot of people, you know, I, I had no problem. I had a VIP pass. I didn't have that issue, but I've heard good things about it, but it also came somewhat at the... Um, uh, it, 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 you also had one or two less panels per day, one less like one less panel per day. So I guess my question is, have you learned anything from you know the wristband to maybe see if there could be more content? Because you know obviously everyone wants to see that extra panel. Um, the wristbands were probably the best thing we've ever done. Um, the one thing I don't like is people coming to a show and having to be in line all day to get to a panel that starts at five o'clock. Um, and our exhibitors don't like that, and the people who are participating in other panels don't like that because you're just sucking people off the floor and you're mm -hmm. sucking people out of other panel rooms because they want to be around. They want to make sure they're in that line for that seven o'clock panel. So the wristbands are the best thing we've ever done in terms of you know spacing. I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more time because now we're clearing that hall after every panel, which we didn't do before. So yeah. that take that's you know where we used to be able to clear. Uh, we used to be able to clear out half of the room who was going to leave in 15 minutes. Now it takes us half an hour to clear everybody out. So, you know, the we, we weighed the options, and one option was uh, what a lot of people were asking for, where they want the panel rooms cleared so that they can go to the panel that they want to. Um, that, in turn, is going to eliminate a little bit of content from the main theater. You know, we do have the Empire stage, which was brand new two years ago? Two years ago. Um, so that's another big room that seats about 1,500 people. Um, so we're trying to balance the the fan wishes and the their overall satisfaction with being able to funnel through enough content. So it was it was a debated, you know, thing over here. We we talked about it for a really long time, but I think ultimately um, the wristbanding and one last panel a day was what we decided to do just because it, it didn't keep people in that queue hall all day, which is something that we wanted to avoid altogether. I mean I'll uh, uh, 
I'll interject. So I did hear, you know, my mom actually went to New York Comic Con with a pass. So, I mean, based on how much I talk about the show, she was like, oh, I'll go. And she did use the wristband. So, you know, I want to at least admit that, yeah, she, you know, she liked the wristband, you know, and I did hear good things about the wristband. My question was just more in terms of, you know, all right, we tried it out last year. Now let's improve upon it and let's, you know, whatever. So don't get me wrong. It was a good, I think overall it was still a good, uh, choice to make. Yeah, the wristband thing will happen again until the technology for the RFID catches up where we're able to um, kind of use that as the way um, to kind of get in line for a panel. We're not there yet, so we're going to have to go uh, caveman a little bit more with wristbands, but uh, hopefully that technology is going to catch up and we can go uh, we can go true Disney World on things with uh, fast passes and, and things like that, but that's a ways away for us. Yeah. From a fan perspective, the wristbands were, were brilliant. I loved it because I'm one of those people that I'm just happy to be in the room. I don't want to necessarily be in the first couple of rows. So I came back at, at 4 o'clock for the Daredevil panel, and I was thrilled. Good. <laughs> <So>. That was <laughs> no. a good one. That, I don't get to see many panels, um, but that one and then the uh, the Tomorrowland panel, which was on Thursday, I think, those were the two that I, I snuck away from my duties to go see. Yeah, that one was worth it. That was brilliant. And as as has the show been. So I, I have a very positive feeling about the wristbands. I was a little unsure as to whether or not that the logistics would work out, and I was very happy to see that it, that it did work out so well. A number of people on the forum were commenting about, were concerned about it, and um, you pleasantly surprised, just like I was pleasantly surprised about the RFID technology, having that implemented a year or two ago was... Uh, and it seems to be working out well. I did, from a personal perspective, I do have one question with regards to the badges, uh, the tickets at New York Comic Con. I had noticed that there is a much higher replacement fee on on the tickets this year. Do you know anything about that, or are you party in that uh, decision-making process to charge a higher uh, fee to reissue a ticket? You know, I can't speak to the specifics on that one. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I can get back to you with an email, and you can post it on the forums, and I'll have a good answer yeah. for you. No, no, no worries. No worries. So that was about it for me. Okay. That wasn't so the, bad. The one, <laughs> I think the one uh, question I certainly wanted to put to you in terms of, um, as um, a fan of someone uh, who's gone to San Diego Comic-Con, who has seen, as part of con culture exploding as it has done, and Repop has been at the forefront of that, You've seen how San Diego has turned into an event that is held at the convention center at to into an event that is held in San Diego. Um, now, obviously, New York has had a very similar event when they when you did a number of events outside of the Javits Center, and you've expanded out into the city. Can you see more of that happening, uh, not just at uh, New York uh, Comic Con, but also at your other events as well? Yeah, it's... Um, you know, it, it, I get jealous when I go to San Diego because, um, you know, the whole gas lamp and the entire city is transformed into something that's Comic-Con. And if you look around the Javits Center, as much as I'm a New Yorker and I love New York, you know, you've got parking lots and you've got, uh, you know... Construction. Construction. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy to, to kind of bleed out into the city organically like they do at San Diego. 
Um, so our New York Super Week initiative was our answer to that and is our answer to that. Um, you know, I think we learned a lot from year one of Super Week, and um, what we're doing this year is fewer, bigger events. Um, and you're also going to see elements of New York Comic Con bleed out into the city. Um, so your New York Comic Con badge will get you access to things that are going outside the city. There's way more detail to come on that later on, um, but that's definitely something that we see because we've outgrown the Javits Center. You know, we outgrew, we outgrew the Javits Center two years ago. So we're continually trying to find locations around the city and in the area where we think that we can we can spread out, um, you know, in a way that we can have sell more tickets so we can get more people to enjoy New York Comic Con and take care of our supply and demand issue, uh, but also provide a better experience where people aren't just locked up in a convention center all day, but they're able to go explore New York City and go see New York Comic Con events in different areas. Um, so that's our answer to that, and I'm really excited about what the you know the current lineup of programming, and most of that's already up at NewYorkSuperWeek.com. Um, but yeah, there's more to come there. I think it's something that we're really excited about, and we think we feel internally that New York Super Week can be bigger than New York Comic Con because it would it, it would serve so many different niches um, that we might not be able to serve at the show at the Javits, but we can we can help uh, with smaller events or, or different events offsite. I think uh, also what will help a little bit is uh, the Seven Train is going to eventually be finished, which will allow a few more people to get into the area. Allegedly. But I guess we don't know that just yet. We've been promised that for years. Don't don't get my hopes up. <laughs> but, but I get. Uh, but speaking of Super Week, I mean, I know last week it was obviously limited to just the week of New York Comic Con. But is there like thoughts on uh, for a week event? But you know, maybe like a sponsored thing where you know once or twice a month. You know, throughout the city, maybe into the Hudson, you know, that you see, oh, New York Super Week presents, you know, X or whatever. Um, sorry, I was signing something for Jackie. Um, <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi. <laughs> um, uh-oh, that's the kitchen. Uh-oh. Oh, yes, it is. Bear with me. Go on, keep talking. Sorry, Mike, your question. Um... You know, I'm not sure. I think, I don't know, we, we don't know what the fans want. Um, I think that, you know, we try to do as many different smaller kind of get-together events that we can for New York Comic Con so that people who, you know, we do heroes and villains meetups every couple of months as an opportunity to keep people, yes, the Brooklyn Brewery event, yes, I see your glass there. Um, we, we try to do those types of things. We don't do things on a huge scale um, throughout the course of the year. It might happen. New York Super Week is going to be the week before New York Comic Con, and there are going to be a bunch of other events going on. Um, it's an interesting question that I don't know that we've really talked about in having branded events throughout the course of the year. So I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> all right. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I've, I've pretty much covered all my questions. Uh, is there any more from the forum? I think we've pretty much covered those as well. Alyssa? Much. You covered everything. I, I hope that I can get with you for a few minutes uh, during SCNYC. Um, on Sunday, just to check in and see see how the show's been going. Of course, and I'm sure I'll be exhausted, but it'll be a good conversation. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Sure. And I, from a personal perspective, I am really hoping to come over to New York Comic Con um, shortly. Um, when I've spoken to a number of um, artists here at uh, UK Cons and also at San Diego as well, they find that getting to San Diego is just so much hard work and it is so expensive to do uh, San Diego Comic Con, but New York, it's five hours from Heathrow, it's nice and cheap on the flights, so it's definitely a preferred, the East Coast Cons are certainly a more preferred 
um, e- um, events to attend, and I think I'm going to jump on that as well. Uh, so um, I'm looking forward to my first New York Comic Con. Excellent. If not, if, if not this year, then 2016. Good. <laughs> Excellent. Right, I'll let you get off. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to ask was, what's the mood in the office at the moment? Um, how exciting, or what's the excitement level getting at, at the moment in terms of preparation? We're tired, man. So uh, we, um, uh, some of our team members were just in Shanghai for that launch. Uh, we have our BookCon event next week or this weekend, um, followed by special edition next weekend. So this is a busy, a busy couple months. C2E2 wasn't that far away. Um, so as soon as the spring and as soon as our uh, June shows are over, it's going to feel really good to take kind of a breather. Um, you know, we'll be in San Diego, obviously checking out that show, and then just gearing up for uh, for New York Comic Con and PAX Prime. So we're all a little exasperated right now, um, but s- slowly we'll start to come back to life as uh, as we check things off the uh, the calendar. Well, we desperately hope that you do get a chance to spend more time with your uh, two year old. At some point, at some point in the next month or so. Yes, my, and, uh, my wife would like that too. <laughs> And once again, thank you very much indeed for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'm certain all our viewers do as well. Uh, Once again, Mike Armstrong, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks, guys. Excellent. So once again, thanks to Alyssa for uh, coming along, and uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, Michael Leventhal. That's been uh, our conversation with uh, Mike Armstrong. Don't forget, we are back again on Sunday as we do another cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego as we are talking to David Glanzer from CCI as uh, we uh, start heading into the final uh, six weeks as we prepare for San Diego Comic-Con. Thank you very much indeed, and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. See you soon. Bye. 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 Bye, guys.